Welcome to life, bringing you insight and experiences into love, relationships, and fertility with a focus on enjoying life and moving forward. Welcome to life, everybody. Today I'm here with Father Chris Argano, and he is the director of the division of vocations from the Archdiocese. And it is such a pleasure to have you here today. When I first reached out to the Archdiocese to see if there was somebody to talk to about fertility and and about the philosophy and counseling women, I, after several phone calls, had the pleasure of speaking with you. So there's so many questions that have to do with fertility and religion. And when people are going through crisis in life, even if they're not religious, they tend to go towards religion. So thank you for being here. Maybe if you don't mind, we could start off and just to let everybody know that it is COVID-19 time. And so we're both having this conversation from home and hope everybody's safe and sound. Um, And we know that fertility journeys sometimes get placed on hold during this time, but it doesn't mean that everything gets placed on hold in terms of how we look at life and and how we feel about things and how we may want to look at religion and how that impacts. So, Father Chris, could you tell us a little bit about what you do and the division that you work in? Because I found it very fascinating, honestly, sure. not knowing very much about it. Great. Thanks, Lori. Well, yeah, so my primary work as vocations director is to work with young men who are considering a call to the priesthood, kind of encouraging them and working with them. But my academic training is in moral theology. So in addition to vocation work, I also teach moral theology at the seminary. And as a result of that, one of the topics we talk about is medical ethics and beginning of life issues, end of life issues, all that kind of interesting and important stuff. So my academic training is in the area that has to deal with a lot of issues of fertility and how we can properly help couples that are trying to find um, a proper response to challenges or different things going on in their life. So that's really has to be fascinating to talk about theology and morals and then kind of evolve into this role because the division does a lot of work in a lot of different arenas from what I I recall. Absolutely. So primarily in teaching, I teach those candidates who are studying to become deacons in the church, as well as um, lay people who are studying to become a master's degree in theology. So what I'm teaching them hopefully will give them the, the appropriate tools to help couples that come to them with these issues and difficulties and challenges to properly and compassionately um, address what's going on in their, in their life. Well, I'm so glad you said properly and compassionately because there's so much compassion we need for people while they're trying mm. to build their family. So do you have people calling or does the priesthood reach out? How, do, how does that happen really when it comes yeah. to family building? Very often on the parish level is where this kind of happens, where couples are preparing for marriage or have gotten married, and all of a sudden they find that there are fertility issues. There are certain challenges going on where they're trying to conceive and they can't conceive, and they're going to different doctors to figure things out. And oftentimes they'll call. I'm so sorry, I'm thinking, but it's so interesting because every religion, or not every religion, but several religions that I know of, when they are preparing people for marriage, they do talk about family building. It's part of Absolutely. that premarital counseling that takes place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's very important that the couple is on the same page regarding having children to begin with. And the second thing would be uh, understanding how many they want to have, looking at those, those very important issues before they're married, 
because the idea is these are things that if they come up later and there are disagreements or there's, or there's certain problems, that can become a real source of, of a struggle in a marriage. So it's very important that a couple understands these things beforehand. You have these people and um, they've gone to the church for premarital counseling and mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you call it premarital counseling. Yeah, it's fine, sure. Yeah, but premarital counseling and part of that counseling and that education and learning is um, a portion of it is devoted to family building. Nobody goes into this thinking that there's going to be a problem or going to be a challenge right. or a diagnosis right. of fertility. What is the next step if there is something that becomes a medical diagnosis now and they're not easily able to build their family? Right. Well, it all depends upon what kind of issue we're dealing with here. If yeah. It could be something where if the man, for example, perhaps has a low sperm count and that's causing an issue. There is medical intervention, both through medicine and even through some surgeries that can help him to be able to increase the sperm count, which can then allow him to be able to become you know, more fertile in that marriage. If it's a woman, it could be a variety of issues. It could be ovarian cysts, endometriosis, a number of things. And there are good medical interventions with medication and even minor surgeries that can correct uh, those issues. So it all depends upon what kind of infertility issue we're talking about um, and then addressing it properly. And in those cases, what I would do is I'd reference them to a doctor who is involved in the fertility issue uh, specifically, because my job as a theologian is ethics and teaching, helping people all along. But it's not my competency to diagnose somebody or to try and give them a medical uh, prognosis when that's not what I am equipped to deal with. Do you have a um, group of physicians that the church works with, or would it be no. almost any doctor that somebody wanted to go to? Well, our recommendation would be to doctors that we ourselves have become uh, associated with through our pastoral ministry. And there are certain uh, centers that are Catholic-run that can help women and men who deal with these issues. There also are certain doctors that I know of you know, professionally who I've dealt with before, and I reference people, too, who deal specifically with these issues, it can help couples to address this properly. So when we talk about conception mm -hmm. and we talk about how somebody can conceive, then it's really, the, the church is, is comfortable in the counseling services that you provide. And I would like people to know the counseling services are provided. Um, there are support groups provided for people going through family building through the church. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. under your division because we, we didn't get to that. And I just want to make sure that that's known because it's wonderful to be able to take advantage of that. When we talk about science versus ethics, because mm -hmm. that's a big part of that and that's a big part of theology, sure. is there a way to kind of marry the two? It sounds yeah. like one way there is when sure. the, in the diagnosis process of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we don't want to speak about it as science versus ethics, but as ethics perhaps informing science. And they oh, okay. we're not doing anything that would, see for Catholic theology, this is across the board in all Catholic teaching, our major concern is, is the dignity of the human person being respected. And in every Catholic teaching, when it comes to difficult, from immigration to pro-life issues, to end of life issues, whatever it is, our number one concern is, is the person being respected with their dignity? That's okay. always what informs us. And whenever we get a little bit nervous about a certain procedure, or a certain medical intervention which could perhaps challenge that or could perhaps question that, that's where we get a moment to so let's pause here and look at it a little more closely. And part of the challenge today is the, especially the beginning of life issues, the science is moving so quickly it that it's hard for us, for ethics to 
kind of meet where the science is, but we're trying to do our best to look at all the possible options here and um, how we can best help a person. So you and I were talking about that, the ethics and the mm -hmm. science kind of keeping up because the church is so old and the ethics are deep-rooted. How do you do that? Yeah. How do you figure well, that one out? It's a great question. And the reality is that the principles that we, we have as a church are, are certainly old and certainly um, tested through time. So the idea becomes applying principles to specific concrete situations. Mm -hmm. You have these difficult new things going on here. And we ask ourselves, okay, the principles we have as a church and have a few thousand years, how can we best be able to apply the principles to the medical things that are not coming up and, and being seen um, in the world today? So applying principles to concrete situations. There's so much right. laboratory work going on today. Mm -hmm. and conception is taking place in so many different ways. So right. what happens right. when you have somebody who is, you know, a devoted Christian, yeah. wants to follow the teachings, mm -hmm. but wants to conceive a child of their own? Sure, sure. What happens when they yeah. go and the mm -hmm. man, let's say, use the example you gave, he has a low sperm count. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's some wonderful treatments available today yeah. for low sperm count. Mm -hmm. um, how do they work with that? because there's all different ways today, right? We could do it hopefully through some type of insemination. Sometimes mm -hmm. it has to start in the lab. Sometimes it doesn't start in the lab. Right, right. Where do we... Well, we have to go back here and look, for, look first at the, the teaching of the church regarding marriage itself. Mm -hmm. And we say about marriage is that, in term, when it comes to you know, the ends of marriage, so to speak, look about the love life link, the idea of that marital intimacy is for is for the bonding for the couple, for sure, and for procreation and education of children. So it's both of those elements together. So we ask ourselves, okay, is if, if a man had his low sperm count, for example, and medication or minor surgery can assist him in, in being able to, to increase his sperm count, we say, great, terrific, do that. We have no problem with that at all. The question becomes, when it comes to um, technology, is the technology assisting or is it replacing the conception of the child? So assisting they, replacing. Mm -hmm, yeah. So the idea here is, okay, so this couple is, is trying to conceive a child and there's a variety of things we can do medically that can be done morally without any um, ethical uh, question. But when it becomes an issue of, okay, we're going to have um, conception done in a lab where we get the gametes and the mother and the father and they kind of are, are produced in a lab together. It, it, the problem for us is we see a child coming as a gift of the marital love exchange between the couple. And it's a matter of saying to ourselves, okay, is this a gift coming from the love of them or is it a gift coming from a medical scientific intervention which separates the marital intimacy from the conception of the child? And that's where we get a little bit uh, concerned about in some of those areas. Right, so you probably see me squirming a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, well, that's okay. These are not, these are not, uh, that yeah. kind of tugs at me when you say that, I have yeah, to say, yeah. because, okay, fair enough. you know, I think people who have to conceive through the assistance of a lab mm -hmm. are trying that much harder to have a child and have that much more love. And so um, the word out of love, it, it, it can't, it just doesn't sit with me because I think right. it's love either way. But right. uh, I, I respect what you're saying as the teachings mm -hmm. of the church. But then right. 
somebody then cannot um, have procreation like a, a, net, a way that we would hope that everybody could, which is mm -hmm. intimacy with your partner, right. but yet they need to um, use the lab in order to do that and still using the same sperm and egg of the couple is mm -hmm. then once that lab becomes involved and um, let's say the embryo is formed in the mm -hmm. lab and then inseminated, that's something that kind of crosses the line. For us, we would, that would be our concern. I don't mean to in any way insinuate that a couple that is going the path of technology is not loving this person, loving this child. I'm not in any way attempting to, to say that. And let me just say also, as a starting point here, that whenever we deal with a couple with infertility, our first, our first move is always compassion for these people who are dealing with a real difficult struggle in the marriage. We always would meet a couple with compassion and love and, and pastoral concern and walk that journey with them. So before we even get into talking about what they're doing or whatever the case may be, our first, our first move with the couple is always meeting them where they're at and loving them in that moment. How do these, these um, couples, because you know now it's so popular, and, and I appreciate your openness to this conversation, because I you know, but I'm trying to maybe raise questions that my, my patients raise, like whether I'm meeting individually or in a support group, and that's why I so appreciated you coming on today so that we could talk about it and people can understand it. Um, I find that a lot of people sometimes struggle with it, whether mm -hmm. it's Judaism or Catholicism or another religion that looks at donor sperm or donor egg as not necessarily being a child that would fall into kind of the auspices or the theology of the religion. And how do people come to terms with that if indeed they, they decide to go that path? or if they're having that struggle, how does the church help them with that? Sure. Well, yeah, definitely. Well, first of all, it, it's a matter of seeing, can, what is the cause of the infertility? And can this infertility be treated through medication? Can it be treated through minor surgeries? You know, what are we looking at here in terms of what is the cause of the infertility? And we would do everything we can from a medical perspective, short of in vitro fertilization to help that couple to be able to achieve that uh, that ability. So it's not a matter of of saying, well, can't get pregnant. Sorry, you know, you're on your own here. No, no. It's a matter of trying to say, how can we help this couple within the bonds of our, of our own ethical um, understanding to assist them um, in that journey. Right now, I know the church is involved in some um, technology that's going on with some of the hospitals mm -hmm. today in order to have the science and the ethics fit together. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it, it's very interesting. I don't know if you want to share that. Uh, at all with everybody. Well, on a variety of hospital boards, we're very grateful that many boards will have a Catholic priest who's trained in medical ethics to help the doctors and help those who are in charge of the hospitals and give our own perspective on things and sort of help them to develop some of the ethical guidelines that are there. It depends upon the hospital, depends upon um, the kind of hospital that it is. Is it a Catholic hospital? Is it a public hospital? That, that, that changes how we would, how we would um, deal with certain things. But by and large, our, our work in hospital ministry and on boards of hospitals is to try and help develop proper ethical guidelines for how the hospital does its, does its business properly. And I thought you had shared with me something about some technology about mm -hmm. how they can, um, they're working towards a procedure where women can. Yep. Do you want so to there's something, yeah, there's something which is called gamete interfalopian transfer, which is known as GIFT. And we're still working out some of the ethical parts of that. 
But essentially what happens in this case is the uh, sperm and egg are, are extracted from the couple, you know, and are then in the lab. They are not, come, they're not put together in the lab. So they are put together, but a small air bubble separates the sperm and the egg from actually coming together. They then inject that into the fallopian tube where conception normally usually happens. And then perhaps naturally sperm and egg come together in the fallopian tube and conception happens there which is where it normally happens. Okay. There's a question there of you know, how much, how much um, outside intervention is being used there, but it's still a question which is open. So at this point, if a Catholic couple having you know, examined their consciences and really kind of done their due diligence as far as trying to see what, you know, what's going on here, that would be a morally appropriate um, avenue at this time. What happens, I do a lot of work with donor egg, mm -hmm. like women who conceive through donor egg, not as much donor sperm, but I do work with people also with donor sperm. What happens when the baby is born? And these are people who go to church every Sunday and they want the child baptized. What, what happens then? Of course, we, we love this child. It's, it's, a, it's a human person. We love them. We baptize them. We encourage the couple. We love the couple. We, you know, I mean, that's not, we, we're not going to in any way, shape, or form punish the couple or the child uh, right. through something that was, done that, that was not what we necessarily would like to have happen. Um, if the couple is faithful Catholic, they probably have had some moral um, unsettling feeling about that. Yes. And if that, 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 if that is the case, uh, the church's recourse in all of those issues is the sacrament of confession where uh, forgiveness of sins is given and we can kind of move on from there if the couple is is morally um angstrid and over it but as far as the child him or herself baptism of course and loving that child we're not going to any way to perform treat that child differently for the conception the interesting part is and, and i'm not catholic the interesting part right. is going to ask for forgiveness mm -hmm. Are they, what are they asking for forgiveness for? Is it for? Well, I think there's a sense of knowing that the church um, has moral questions regarding uh, in vitro fertilization and we're not comfortable with that. And if they're faithful Catholics, they probably know that. And they probably feel like, you know, we, we know what the church teaches. We desire a child though so desperately that we, we chose to go this route. And we know that it was what the church wants. So there is some, some perhaps, um, question of conscience in their part about that, which would be then uh, recourse through forgiveness through confession. Okay, and the church would accept that? Oh, of course, of course yeah. it would, Absolutely. So, definitely. But the challenge, yeah. and you know what else I find is generational, because what happens is then they're fearful that their parents will not accept the child. Um, you know, I'm thinking of one person in particular whose father is a devout Catholic. Mm -hmm. and so it, then it becomes sharing the information with the parent who would be the grandparent. Yeah. So, well, if if I had a couple that came that could see the child through IVF and their, their parents, meaning their grandparents of the child, had you know, some kind of a moral issue, I'd make a call to that grandparent and, and very kind of compassionately explain to them, it's your grandchild, you know, it doesn't, how it happens, not what we necessarily would, would want to have happen. But it's just, this is a child, this is a person. And, and to ostracize that child, or again, this is a whole issue of human dignity, you know? Yeah. If we're treating that child without that dignity it deserves, then, then we're kind of off the reservation here. So really the struggle is the conception. The struggle is not whether you should have a child, and it is not once that child is brought into the world. And oh, of course not. Definitely not. No, no. The yeah. struggle is the conception piece of right. it. Right. And again, that's the whole issue of, of um, viewing the child from within the marital intimacy of the couple. Yeah. yeah.
I think that it's so important, especially after this kind of conversation that we're having, that people understand that their child is not ostracized. Oh my gosh, no. The church is not ostracizing them or throwing them out of the church. No, no never. Saying this is something that we don't necessarily morally or ethically agree with this piece of what you did, but we still accept you and we still, you know, embrace the child. Yes. And you know, Pope, Pope, yeah, Pope Francis, Pope Francis often uses the example of the church as a field hospital for those that have their own wounds, and their own struggles, and their own issues. And what a beautiful metaphor that is, right? That we come to church, not because we're perfect, because we're, we need our, we need forgiveness, we need sin, we need a savior. So we come to church for that reason. So the church is not a palace for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. And if we begin to ostracize those who are having struggles and difficulties, then we're doing the opposite or what Jesus called us to do. Right, and everybody makes mistakes, or everybody does things that, that maybe a parent or an authority wouldn't approve of, but sure. that doesn't mean it's not right for them, or didn't work for them at that point. Right. Maybe the word right for them isn't the right thing to use related to- Yeah, we can't, well, be careful with that, because it doesn't mean that, because it's not right for them, that it's not a wrong thing. Because it could be, again, we don't, there's a certain issue here of the church with objective truth that is, is right or wrong for everybody, so be careful when it comes to like right for me, wrong for me. That's a little bit uh, careful there. But on the whole, what we're saying is that if somebody does something which is not what the church would teach, uh -huh. there is a recourse to forgiveness. And there is no way that they or the child would ever be ostracized because of that way of conception. That's important to know. And I think yeah, absolutely inner peace with the process. And, mm -hmm. and that's that I'm going to use the word peace again, but I think that that's the important piece of this. And that's mm -hmm. the element is how do you find inner peace if you have done something that is not necessarily the teaching of the church correct so the church and there is a recourse to all yeah to help a person with that situation for sure yeah. does yeah. the church encourage adoption is that absolutely that's the other, other part of this is that you know i know couples that for a variety of reasons were not able to conceive a child and they felt that this was the lord inviting them to perhaps adopt a child instead and they have children, you know, two or three children now who were, uh, who were adopted. Mm -hmm. And that's in the way the church definitely encouraged. We support that. We would be 100% um, behind a couple choosing to adopt a child if they were not able uh, to conceive themselves. Absolutely. Yeah, regardless of where that child is from. Of course, yeah, definitely. My right. own brother is adopted. So uh -huh. I can appreciate that, 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 that situation very much. So yeah, so I get it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's true. I mean, you know, I have members in my family from all different types of um, fertility realms, so to speak, that mm, have right. relatives, and I have some that there have been um, some IVF interventions, and, right. and some that was were naturally conceived without mm -hmm. an issue. So it, it does run the gamut, and there there are all different options here. I'm hoping that people find some peace and some comfort in this conversation because the struggle is the conception piece for many. And yeah. I do believe that people are very lucky to have somebody like you heading up the archdiocese in this division. Because well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm only a teacher for, I don't, I don't, I don't there, are, there are other people that head it up. I'm only teaching and helping to help bring some clarity to things. I'm giving you but, a right here and now, but. <laughs> but no, but you know, Lori, the thing is, again, for us, so the bottom line to a lot of this stuff, is you know the world is bigger than we are as they say and there are so many challenges people face and, and difficulties and as priests we come across a variety of things 
And right. we want people to know that we want to walk with them and journey with them and love them where they are in the situation where they're in. That's what we're called to do. And um, whenever we, we find ourselves not acting that way, we're betraying our own mission as people that have been called to pastor um, God's flock. And if we're not doing that, if we're doing it in a way that is, that is not compassionate or not caring, then we fail in our ministry, in our, in our mission. Well, I think that's very important because, you know, family building goes through a lot of things. We've only touched on the IVF piece of it right. and not all of the other pieces of, you know, people who have problems with miscarriage and oh yeah. yeah. So we didn't really talk about that too much, but that's also another huge struggle that people have uh, with the church and, you know, just internally themselves because yeah. there's so much that goes on medically. So possibly we could talk about that at another time. Sure, um, definitely. Yeah. We're almost out of time right now. Okay. That, that's an important element to people. What I'm taking away from this is that the church will try and be there with people and for people as they try and build the family. Absolutely. That's the takeaway for sure. That, yeah. That's it. Yeah, I'd love to have a follow-up one day, if that's okay with you, really about those who struggle with being able to carry the child. I really appreciate your receptiveness and your openness to this conversation. You got it, definitely. Yeah. Struggle with. So when I was saying I think that people are lucky that you headed up, what I, I don't know that we shared before is that you had said, and I and you did touch on it before when I was kind of talking to you about ethics and science is that the church is trying in their own way to catch up with this. Yeah, yeah, the ethics, the science has far outpaced the ethics right now. We're trying to deal with these new things that are, that are completely unknown to us or not ever before been, been tried and seeing how we can be able to appropriately handle those difficult and, and new issues. Thank you, thank you very much. Um, if somebody wants to get a hold of the division that you work in or get a hold sure. of where they could contact yeah. you? Yeah, so I mean, the best way to do so would be through my email. Um, and what they can do, I'll just give you an email address where you can reach me at all lowercase, and it's just f r c h r i s dot a r g a n o at gmail.com. Okay, well, thank you so much for being on today. If anybody has any questions I could help them with, please reach out to me at lorimets.net. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much.